Hey, DC, right now at VisionWorks, all prescription eyewear, every frame, every brand is 50% off. Yup, a nifty 50% thanks to our friends and family event. What's even better? It applies to both glasses and sunglasses. That's right. At the VisionWorks friends and family event, you can save 50% on all prescription eyewear. Why? Because we like you, DC. A lot. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. Hey, podcast listeners, this is your humble host, Michael Smalley, and I just wanted to take a moment of your time before the show gets going to remind you about our online membership. It is an incredible resource to help you build a better relationship where we have taken all of our best video series and converted them into online courses. You can check out how to become a member at smalleyinstitute.com. something your spouse has brought into your marriage that's making, frankly, your relationship difficult? Well, today we're going to actually answer one of your, the listener's questions on the show because, well, because sometimes there are things that are out of our control and, frankly, you got to learn how to deal with or the relationship will suffer. We're going to help you not only discover how to deal with difficult issues, but most importantly, how to overcome them. Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. I am your humble host, Michael Smalley, along with my co-host, Seth Johnson, the bearded wonder. <laughs> so, hey, you're you're bearded now. I am a bearded man. And it's, look, it's looking very nice. Uh, kind of. No, I, I like it. I know. I have a difficult time growing facial hair, so I'm 43 years old and I'm finally going <laughs> for my first beard ever. Hey, it's exciting. It, it's looking good. My my dad, I guess maybe two years ago, last year, started growing out his beard. And he's a retired minister, and he was always clean-shaven. And it was because great. Because clean-shaven equals holiness. Right, because clearly Jesus didn't have a beard. Yeah. Wait, Wait a minute. I mean, that's why I grew up mine. So I just want to be closer to God. And that's why I wear sandals all the time. Uh-huh. And, let, and you don't bathe. Right. and Well, except for the other people who wash my feet. Uh, <laughs> you know what would be great right now is if you got electrocuted through the microphone. I'd, I believe it would happen. <laughs> okay, Seth so. is dead because God is alive. But I, depending on when this show airs, my beard might be gone. My girthy beard. Yeah, you keep teasing about that. I think yeah. you'd look really good with like a, you know, a number two or three length of And that's beard. what I used to keep forever. I know, and you looked handsome. Thank now you. you just... Look like a deranged mountain man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's the look that Shauna likes. Yeah, that's what so. she's into. Well, okay, so Seth, as you know, we get questions to the show. Yes, and we love them. We do, and we you reminded me today that we haven't taken a listener's question for a while. Yeah, we need to find a better balance because yeah. for a while I, I got upset because you weren't doing as much as like your research and articles and yeah. stuff. And then pendulum went the other way. So I, I blame this on me as being your You're producer, the producer. That I should have called you out on the sooner. So listening audience, I apologize as yeah. well. And hey, if you want to, just go to smalleyinstitute.com and you will actually see a link. If you're on a desktop, on the top for the main nav, it says Q&A. 
And if you're on your mobile device, just click on the menu, and you'll see Q&A. Mm-hmm. And you can submit your own questions. And we do love getting them. So today, man, this was a big one from a wife. Yeah. I mean, it's like, whoa, there's all sorts of stuff, intense stuff in here. And it got me thinking, and kind of like what I mentioned in the intro, is, man, there's things for many couples that are brought in to their marriage that are from the past. Right? Issues. Right. Well, we, all, we all bring in stuff. Everybody brings the stuff, but Whoa, they really brought in some stuff. Yeah. So I'll read the question, or do you want to? Do you want me to? Hey. I'll read the question. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'll do it. So this is from one of you, our amazing listeners. And this wife wrote in and said, or asked, my husband has claimed the child of his ex-wife, I believe, because he cheated on her before he was saved. She already has a bunch of <laughs> reasons here in, mm-hmm. in parentheses. And feels this is the honorable thing to do since she says the child is his. There are a few other evidence factors, but my husband is super black and the child is Lily Caucasian. Now, I got to tell you, I thought she was going to go a different way on the wording there because her husband's super black and then the child is Lily Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard someone go the other way with that. Usually they want to go yeah. African American and white, but she she went the other way. But every time I see this child, I see a lie and have been told that if I love him, I have to accept this. And here's where her question gets really interesting for me. It was a huge issue before you paying attention to that word? Mm-hmm. Before we got married, since he said this was a deal breaker, now I'm pregnant and angry. Help, and then super help. Wow. Yeah. So in this particular circumstance, it's not just like a figurative thing that's bring, coming into the marriage. Like yeah, it's no, a it's literal, a real thing. There's a literal child. There's a baby. Yeah. Who apparently is Lily Caucasian. <laughs> Lily Caucasian. I know, and I know I'm going to get flack from some of the listeners going, I can't believe you're making light of that situation. Well, I just spent a very wonderful weekend with Operation Heal Our Patriots. Mm-hmm. And OHOP. OHOP, that Samaritan's Party. It's, it's, honestly, it's my favorite event that I do. And I'm just going to say this right now. you got to learn to laugh at your situations. Yeah. Not mock, not demean. But on some level, you got to be able to like lighten up a little bit, yeah. and I think that's why this is our second year in a row to do OHOP. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to brag, <laughs> but you are. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm gonna have to. So the first time we did it was in 2016, and afterwards, the general uh, Jim Walker, literally a general. I think you're just right now bragging that you know a general. <laughs> Dude, I know lots of generals, and they scare me. <laughs> Traditionally, they scare me to death. The insurance company doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally what I was thinking about, too, sickly enough. So he said, Amy and I were the highest-rated speakers ever. Like, he's, like, by far. And I'm going to tell you why. Not just because I'm handsome. <laughs> right. It's not just because of my beard, because I didn't have one in 2016. No, it's true. You didn't. But I, I'm telling you right now, the, the, like, a part of my natural makeup is to laugh at really traumatic things. Right. I think it's why all my near-death experiences haven't destroyed me. Because for me, I genuinely like, oh, this is going to be an amazing story. Right, yeah. And so I don't see things as fatally flawed or injurious or, you know, negative. I just don't. I'm a kind of hope-filled type guy. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I, I would put money down 
if gambling wasn't, you know, illegal in Texas over the airwaves. <laughs> Is that even true? I don't know. But I put money down that the reason these wounded veterans and their spouses enjoyed Amy's and I switch is because I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to treat them like a normal human and make fun of them, even their yeah. injuries and like really traumatic things. And again, not mocking, but like just being normal. Mm-hmm. Right. And, we, and if we can't laugh at ourselves, man, we got lots of big issues. Right. You're going to be so high strung. It's just not worth it. So we got to laugh a little bit. At ourselves, but I do respect and I get this is huge. But here's and listener and to the wife that submitted this question I don't know if you're really gonna like this show. It's true. I I was going over the show notes beforehand and I was wondering if you're gonna give a disclaimer about that. I am, and I want this listener, the the specific person, wife who submitted the question, I want you to know that I care about you, I love you, and you need to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. And so where, where she went wrong, and I'm so glad, and, and I hope I'm reading this right, or I hope she didn't mis, misrepresent, but when yeah. you read, it was a huge issue before we got married, since he said this was a deal breaker. It sounds like she was fully aware of this child before they got married. Right. I mean, am I taking a leap? No, I think you're absolutely correct, and since... She says they are now married, and he said it was a deal breaker. Then it means they came to some sort of conclusion or resolution that made him happy enough to get married. Potentially. Right. So that's what it sounds like. And this is the part where she might not like it. I mean, honey, you had an out. You had it. You were aware of this issue before you got married. He, it sounds like, and I, I mean, I know he's not a perfect person. Right. But, man, if he was smart enough and healthy enough to let you know, hey, rejecting this child is a deal breaker. Yeah. Like, I am going to do the honorable thing, which, by the way, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I'll even go as far and as obnoxious to say, even if this kid isn't really his, and maybe this ex-wife is lying about it and whatever. And, and you know, I have to believe that the ex-wife is a white person. Right. That has to be my guess. Judging by the description of the child? Is well, yeah. And l- now, if she is also black and he is black, yeah, we got some questions. <laughs> right? Yeah. I-, I-, I can't believe this guy's an idiot. I mean, it- you know what I mean? Right. I mean, surely, if they're both black and the kid's white and though, not albino, I mean, like, just a normal Caucasian. Though I have seen... It can happen. Yeah. I it ha- can. I've had friends that... Oh, dude, I have, I have some friends. They're like family. And... The father is mulatto. He's black mm-hmm. and white, and he married a, a black lady. And then they, their son, their first child, is literally the most white-skinned person you will ever see. Yeah. So I know this can happen. Right. But even if it wasn't his, I would still argue that the honorable thing is to love others. Right. And I wouldn't even, honestly, I'm telling you, if this were me and I were him, I would have done the same thing. And I wouldn't even worry about genetic testing because I know that I want to be able to love this child. I mean, we're supposed to take care of widows and orphans and just don't ever reject a child if you have an opportunity to care for them. Yeah, and if if we claim to be Christ followers in this specific situation, then caring for this child is going to be one of the biggest witnesses that he has a hundred percent yeah so 
he is doing the honorable thing, in my opinion. But to this wife specifically, he told you, he was honest enough to say, hey, listen, if not being around it, like, you know, if I have to kick this kid out of my life, that's a deal breaker. He, he was honest enough to tell you that's a deal breaker. Yeah. And so I don't know what, how that conversation went. You know, I'm starting to feel like she may not have been honest. You know, she sounds like maybe she, she underestimated. Because I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Because it could have been a deal where she's like, okay, I would rather be married to you and have to accept this child than not be married to you. Mm-hmm. And she could have easily underestimated the level of intense feelings it would provoke after getting married. Right. And not in necessarily a negative way, but the full consequences yeah. of of claiming this child. Yeah. And and so there I want to give her grace. I get it. You know, when we've talked about before, um, when my wife and I were dating, she disclosed that she'd been sexually active before marriage mm-hmm. and and I hadn't. She kind of thought that was going to be a deal breaker because I was a virgin. And I looked at her like, okay, I did not have an expectation to marry a virgin. Like that, there's not very many virgins out there. And we went through this beautiful, I washed her feet because she had so much condemnation about mm-hmm. having sex previously that I was like, hey, I don't need to forgive you. You didn't do anything against me. This is between you and God, and God loves you and forgives you. So, just out of obedience to Christ, I washed her feet. It was precious and it was powerful. And then we got married and it stressed me out. That's mm-hmm. why I'm kind of really? saying that about this wife. Totally. How could I possibly know the feelings that are going to be invoked if I've never been in that situation? Yeah. I trusted and thought I was fine. I felt like we did everything that you need to do to be healthy about it. But at the end of the day, we got married, started having sex, and I couldn't stop thinking about this other dude and mm-hmm. other things. And, and it really, yeah, I know that sounded, that was a really poor phrasing. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, though. Uh, My face just contorted in I weird know, ways. <laughs> I know. I know. And I almost really engaged on the whole thing, and I realized just how inappropriate it would get too quick. Yeah. So, so I mean, I get it. I get that you might have the best of intentions. But then when the when you really get married, things change. Well, and you don't general, realize. Uh, love and grace are much easier to verbalize than live out. Yeah. So I in, would agree in, in any situation. And so then when you start getting into the particulars of okay, how do we actually make this happen? It gets it gets really rough and and it can get difficult and hard to remember the initial uh kind of win-win that you try to come or to choice, initially. Yeah. Even, you know, decision. Mhm. And so, you know, first off, for this listener and for all of you dealing with either something very similar or just in, in, it, with an issue that is big and that was potentially brought into the marriage, do you have to accept it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. And, 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 and that's my point, especially. I mean, it's one thing if they lied to you and were right. deceptive and all of a sudden you find out. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm not giving anyone permission to divorce at this point. But could you feel betrayed? Could you feel lied to, deceived, manipulated? Yeah, yeah. obviously. And and if it's a big enough thing, that could end up being a deal breaker. I don't know, especially if it ends up being abusive or whatnot. But man, come on! If if you know, if your eyes are wide open going into it, and you said yes, then let your yeah. yes be a yes. Mm-hmm. Feels like that's scriptural. 
<laughs> I think it's in there somewhere. Yeah, it's in there. It's in those pages. So, unfortunately for her, I think what's happened, which I'm just trying to empathize, may have been very similar to what happened to me. She didn't understand the, the level or gravity of the feelings she was going to have after they got married. And so I get it. It makes it harder. But at the end of the day, we still have to let our yeses be yeses. And so, listener, it sounds like in your situation it was clearly established. This was a clearly established and known issue, and you still got married. And and I'll even, you know, this is why the commands of Christ, I think, are so helpful in our relationships. Because Christ tells you what to do about this child especially. You have no other, if you call yourself a disciple of Christ, there is no other issue at all. Hey, we have our first caller. Hello, this is Michael. Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. And who do I have? Hi, Michael. This is Rohini. How are you? Good, Rohini. So are you calling for a question? I am actually calling for a question. All right. Well, how can we help you? Um, so I'm a military spouse, uh, abandoned, deserted, forced into homelessness by my military husband who claimed to be a Christian um, the whole time we were married, but um, I didn't see any fruit of the Spirit um, in any shape or form. We, um, The children and I witnessed a um, tremendous amount of psychological abuse where even spiritual abuse was present, verses were taken out of context. Um, so as it stands, I'm caught up in the predicament of, you know, folks um, clearly claiming that um, there's, well, there's, by the way, there's a tremendous amount of evidence of narcissism in my husband. Okay. So biblically speaking, you know, there is nothing that God cannot heal. There's nothing that... God cannot do. God is a God of all impossibilities. But when we look at the secular side, when we look at the reality of things, you know, we're told that narcissism cannot be cured. Um, it, it, you know, people that go to such extent with spiritual abuse, psychological abuse um, through narcissism, it, it just it just cannot be cured. There's no hope for that. So. I'm really struggling, um, you know, just just not knowing how to how to approach this. Is it wrong to believe in God and what He can do, which is exactly what we're called to do as Christian wives? But then at the same time, uh, facing the reality of things, you know, where where I know that there is narcissism involved, psychological abuse involved, gaslighting involved. And all these things, it's it's just very difficult. So, what would you say to a spouse with with these kind of issues, um, who's who's a Christian and and, and struggling? So, let, let me just make sure and clarify: you're still married. Sure. Okay. Yes, I'm still married, and uh, he he has just filed a uh, divorce petition. Unfortunately. Okay. Well, you know. 
what we've said in a lot of other episodes, and and if if I was sitting, you know, face to face with the two of you, and there is emotional, spiritual, physical abuse occurring, just know that first and foremost, that is totally one hundred percent unacceptable. So, I don't I don't ever encourage a victimized spouse to stay in and try to figure this out. It usually for me has to start with a safe agreed upon separation where the abuser has sort of a, 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 a an item list of things that they like, you know, it starts with, you have to start, you have to get assessed psychologically evaluated. You need to be in counseling once a week and you need to be in discipleship once a week so that they can get right. healing, right? They need anger, man. I mean, there's a bunch of things that he needs to be able to go through so that he can be healthy and loving and God honoring. So, Correct. So just know that that would be my first bit of advice. And what's what I love about that kind of an agreement is it gives the abuser the opportunity to get healing, right? So we don't have to start with divorce, but it at least gives them an opportunity. But at the same time, it keeps you and the children safe. And so... True, but that all... I'm sorry to interrupt, but that all begins with repentance, correct? Right. That the individual... Who the abuser is has no repentance. There is nowhere to begin um, on the platform, right? Unfortunately, and if you're, you um, know, when you start talking about narcissism, that is a pretty big personality disorder. And you're right. I'm imagining. I don't know if you've read M. Scott Peck's uh, "People of the Lie." No, I have not actually. You might want to because that is uh he's a Christian psychiatrist and that book is about uh narcissists. And oh, it's wow. a, yeah, it's an excellent <laughs> book. It's called People of the Lie. And so much of the research, much of the work done with trying to help those with narcissism is pretty bleak. So you're definitely correct in the sense of narcissist I mean, I'm with you. I, I believe in Jesus, and I know that God is all-powerful and can do all things. The trouble, though, with humans is we're not robots to God. We have free will. And that's where right. narcissism gets in the way of the narcissist being repentant because they don't even think they're doing anything wrong. Correct. Right? Absolutely. So that's, that's sort of the catch-22 on why typically – the vast majority of, of and, and, and you know, I, I hope you understand that narcissism isn't just an on and off switch. There are levels of narcissism, right? So you can be you know, I'm, on the yeah, extreme I'm or on the light. Right. I'm beginning to truly grasp that. Um, I didn't even know that a word narcissism existed until a year ago. Um, I mean, we, we saw the symptoms. We saw what he was like, didn't know that there would be a term attached to it. So it was liberating to know that there was something that defined it. Um, and unfortunately, the military doesn't assist in these matters either, because even when the service members come back from war, they're not mandated for any psychological assistance, let alone an evaluation. So all these things take place at home whether it's the effects of the war or um, there were, you know, pre-existing condition and the war just heightened it and brought it to light. And when we bring the abuse to the attention of the command, there is nothing that they're willing to do. They just want to basically silence the spouses and the children and shun them and make them go away. Well, and 
I, I will say I literally just got back from uh, a Samaritan's Purse events uh, event called Operation Heal Our Patriots. And so uh-huh. I don't know if you're aware of Samaritan's Purse or Operation Heal Our Patriot. Very, very little. Okay. Yes. Well, I would highly recommend plugging in with them because of all the organizations I've ever personally worked with, they are doing by far the greatest work because one of the thoughts, and I am so sorry, what was your name again? Oh, that's okay. It's Rohini. Rohini. Okay. So Rohini, one of the things I want to caution you about is, you know, and, and funny enough, if if you go to our Smalley Marriage Radio podcast, you'll see, I think the most recent episode was diagnosing your spouse. So I do want to say to be safe and as healthy as possible that you want to be careful when diagnosing your spouse because some of the symptoms you might be reading into as narcissistic, which I'm not saying is inaccurate, but that could also be symptoms of PTSD. And so he he could be right. struggling with something different that is masking itself or looking like narcissism when it's really PTSD. And, and there's those are two very different sort of treatment modalities depending on what the diagnosis is. It, has your husband, has he ever been willing to go in and get evaluated? Um, no, no, not at all, because he claims that there's nothing wrong with him. And the military, I think, uh, just insinuated that he should, and he claims that he voluntarily did that, and um, everything was great. There's there's no um, – there were no findings. Uh, so he uh, said he, he did go, but d- – do you know if he really did or not? No, I have no evidence um, to support to support that. That's correct. Okay. Well, so let's get back on for you, Rohini. Um, the God, I again, we can believe in God, and also this issue of potential narcissism. What's so devastating about that disorder or personality disorder is that the, it's the narcissist that gets in their own way in terms of getting healing, right? Because many times if you think you're God, <laughs> why would you go to God? Right. Like I am the center of the universe, right. so I don't need anybody and there's nothing wrong with me. And so it's pretty difficult to have a repentant attitude if I've done nothing wrong, right? Right. Now, exactly. Exactly. What I will say, and and again, when when we're talking about abusive situations, you don't stay in that environment because that's that's not okay. But if you know, because I've had clients before that were on the lower spectrum of narcissism, so it was the relationship was bad, the marriage was terrible, but there has actually been, interestingly enough, some pretty good research in terms of having success with low-level narcissists when they are unconditionally loved by their spouse. So, yes, and we but did that's that. Not in an, yeah, but that's not in an abusive environment, right? So that's, that's right. on the higher right. end, the higher level of narcissism, because I would never ask you to do that. Well, actually, let me correct myself. Jesus says you got to love him no matter what, but the exactly. boundary, the healthy boundary you have to set is that either separation or, you know, if he's filed for divorce, that might, you know, that you might want to look at that as a potential gift. Hmm. Yes, but um, 
as a Christian, that's very difficult to do. And what do you what do you um, mean? But, um, you know, as as as, as a Christian, we. I mean, I understand where the Bible is very clear um, in 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 the hardness of the heart and the abuse and the adultery, um, you know, where the divorce is permitted. Um, but even then, you know, with with this particular type of abuse, um, for me, you know, being raised culturally to believe in one marriage and one marriage only. Um, and not to believe in divorce, and then to become a Christian and have that conviction even further um, embedded, it's, it's just very difficult to, to agree um, to, to divorce. Separation is one thing. And even with separation, I mean, God literally had to take us out of the situation. Um, I had tried and tried and tried on my own, and things were just not working. So, but God made provision where we just had to choose. Um, it was either um, the safety of, of my, my, my children, myself, or um, continue and, and test to see if things would get worse. And I think as Christian spouses, that's what we struggle with um, in our faith. You know, we, we know what God wants. We know what God says in the Bible. And we know what we're supposed to do as Christian wives. But then when we go to church— you know, they're not aware of the concept of PTSD or narcissism or any other mental disorder, and they don't know what to do with us. They don't know what to advise us other than, please pray, which is very strong. Don't get me wrong. Prayers is the most powerful weapon. But in practicality, we, we just don't know what to do. We, we don't know how to handle these things. And it's even worse for military spouses because we don't have that community support um, or even family support because we're so busy relocating, PCSing, and we we you know we we often end up in states where we have no support system, let alone you know building ties with a church which takes you know several years. Um, so we're literally flying solo, unfortunately. And and we're caught in the middle of, what do, what do I do practically? You know, what does the world tell me to do versus what is God telling me to do? What is the Bible telling me to do, you know, through the Word of God? And and I think it's just a very difficult journey. It is. For military spouses. Well, not only just being in the military and dealing with all the, I mean, that's why the military has such a radically high divorce rate. But dealing with, obviously, that abuse, and, and I'll tell you, what's tough are victims of emotional abuse because people don't see the bruises. People don't see the cuts well, and the injuries, and they kind of look at you and can can often be very condemning and judging. Well, and additionally, if I may add one more thing, which is um, not only are they condemning, but like you said, Proving evidence of psychological abuse, emotional abuse, is so difficult unless you literally have like a reality camera going on in your home. And who's who's going to do that? Um, you know, when as soon as you sign the marriage papers and say "I do," and all of a sudden you install cameras in your home right. just in case if <laughs> Not things the best. go south. 
Right. Nobody, nobody wishes for that. Nobody does that. Nobody's prepared. So uh, such type of abuse is very difficult to prove. Um, you know, even with us, we, we wrote it with times and dates. And even then, you know, the military is not willing to um, identify with that, acknowledge that. And there's such um, conflict of interest. There's such collusion in the military that takes place in these particular cases. It's just been very sickening um, to see um, that there's just no help anywhere for military spouses and children under these conditions. Um, so that that needs to change, unfortunately. And even with the with the church, um, you know, it, it just depends upon who you get for assistance. There are men that are counseling that will say to the spouses, you're not submissive enough. You're not being respectful enough when they're not recognizing that there are major issues taking place in the home with PTSD or narcissism or anything else. And it's not about the spouse not being loving enough or submissive enough or respectful enough. There is an underlying issue that really needs to be recognized and dealt with. And it has nothing to do with the spouse. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case in all, you know, marriages. Yes, there are spouses, wives that are disrespectful and dishonoring. Um, but majority of the time, that's that's not the case. Um, you know, there's there's mental disorders. There's other things that are just clearly not recognized by the church because they're not trained to deal with these things. And they don't know where to send them. Yeah, you're right. And unfortunately, I run into this a lot in in our intensive program. That's a one-on-one thing for couples. Um, and just being involved, I've planted churches. I've been a senior pastor at churches. And it, it is. I mean, I, I cannot push back or even argue with it because the sad truth is there's a there's a tremendous amount of misinformation and and misunderstandings and a lack of education on these kinds of issues. But you, you, you know, Rahini, you already brought up the importance of, of having a community. And, and where I want to encourage you, and especially when you're going through this abuse. And so are you guys separated now because he's filed? I mean, I don't know if he's moved out of the home. Yeah, so, um, so that's another issue with the military. Um, the military service member has the ability to terminate uh, a lease under the federal law and it's called the Service Member Civil Relief Act. So he used that to terminate the lease and forced us into homelessness. So we were homeless for two years. So we've been separated uh, pretty much that amount of time. And so where are um, you living now? Do you not have family that you so can we go were, to? No, no, unfortunately not. And um, we were hopping hotels for two years, and uh, God just blessed us uh, with a home um, after two years through folks that I've never even met, their provision. Um, I, one amazing thing as a Christian um, has been to see God's hand, his provision, direct provision mm-hmm. in things. Like even when we were homeless, I have a running list of miracles that have been taking place. And it's just been an amazing thing to witness as a former Hindu where prayers were never answered. You know, now when we when we ask God for provision, it's in His timing, but the answers do come, um, and that's just been an amazing thing to to witness as a Christian. I mean, the faith and the people around me that have been praying for me is just incredible um, for others to see how God has been answering our prayers. 
in the wildest ways. Well, and that's so what's very grateful. Yeah, and that Rohini, that's what happens when you not only believe in God, but you put your faith in God and you reach out to God. I mean, he is faithful. Now, in terms of the healing of your husband, I, you know, that's what's difficult about, frankly, any personality disorder is most of them, of people that may be suffering with a personality disorder, sort of sabotage their ability to, to reach out to God because they oftentimes don't think that they need it or don't want it. And But the good news for you is you're seeing and experiencing how God's going to care for you and, and protect you and cover you. Um, what is it, because it seems like you're, you're stressed out about this idea of divorce, that as a Christian woman, because what, what I would tell you, Rahini, is that you really don't have any option. Like, if he's filing and he's pursuing divorce, I don't ever tell a Christian person to prevent that, you know, by refusing to sign the papers or refusing to show up to court or whatever. That I don't ever direct that because you're not the one divorcing. That other person is. And Christ says, hey, you're only the two most important things are to honor God and honor others. Sometimes we have to allow people to do things that aren't right. But I, I, you have no control over stopping the divorce. And I can confidently tell you that God is not going to punish you or condemn you because your husband has his issues and is filing for divorce. Does that make sense? It does, and I, I appreciate you saying that, especially for the listeners um, and clarifying that. Um, I, I agree. I am struggling with this, and I don't fear God's, you know, um, judgment or whatever um, that may come with it. Um, I, I I know God knows my heart. I know God knows where I stand with this, I and God knows my struggles, and God is very clear. Um you know, and I, I wouldn't, um, and I, I completely agree with you that once anything reaches the court system, the judicial system, um, it is the most, you know, the worst thing that you can do is is not show up or not respond, because uh, that's very detrimental um, to your case. And, and to your children. Of, yes, absolutely. And any future of getting, you know, financial support from the other individual. Um, it, it is not a good thing to do. So that is not what I'm doing. And in fact, I've been pro se. So I've been representing myself, advocating for the children. And God's been showing up in court repeatedly. Um, and things are happening in court that I can't even explain. It makes no sense. Um, and, you know, as a Christian, all I can do is just say, this is my God and praise him for it. Um, but at the same time, I think as humans, it's just very, very natural as wives, Christian wives, to struggle with this. You know, that doesn't mean that we allow it to cripple us and we don't move forward in in doing whatever we need to do in responding to this litigation, um, which is what I'm doing. But it's just still very difficult. And I think the worst thing for me is um, watching a, a so-called Christian claimed to be Christian for so many years, who has the Bible memorized, and then takes it out of context for this abuse, and then still claims to be a Christian, but then is reading books 
to teach him how to become God. I mean, that is just such a messed up um, way of learning what Christianity Christianity is from the person that's closest to you. And but you know, even when then with that, God has just been so sovereign. You know, has protected the children and I from all this, and shown us the the true path to having a relationship with Christ. Well, it's not the normal way. No, it is not the normal way. And that's usually what's so traumatizing about being married to someone who's suffering from a serious mental or emotional uh, disorder or even disability. Uh, you know, I, I think of the disciples when they would complain about the Pharisees to Jesus and be like, man, what the heck? They've got all the wealth. They've got all this stuff and they're not really living for you. And Jesus' response is, don't worry about them. They're, they're storing their treasure here on earth, and it'll die with them. You're storing your treasure up in heaven. And, and frankly, that's a harder path. It's why Christ also says, you know, the little tiny pathway to eternity, to eternal life is very narrow. And, and the path to destruction is this huge superhighway. Most people don't want to do what's necessary to really love Jesus by loving him and loving others. And just don't get... Uh, I, I just want to encourage you that you don't get stuck in this belief that uh, because this divorce is happening, I'm therefore doing something bad. You can actually still love him and and allow this to happen or to put up a boundary of separation or potentially even this boundary of divorce doesn't mean I'm being unloving. When When you're talking right. again about abuse, your number one job is to honor yourself and honor those children. And by not doing that, you're really actually getting yourself in trouble. So for standing up for the rights of yourself and your kids, that's really what matters. And that's, you know, Jesus summed up all the law and all the scripture by love God and love others. But sometimes people confuse loving others by placating or enabling or becoming codependent. And that's not love. Sometimes love is tough. And I really, I'm no, encouraged. I, I agree. I, I'm encouraged that I, I feel like you're doing the right thing. Um, my biggest encouragement, though, would be don't get hung up on the moving too much. You know that the easiest, quickest way to build a community is to find a church that you can get plugged into. Right. And I would just right. say be aggressive, not weird, not obnoxious, but be aggressive about, hey, I need friends. I need community. I need to be in this women's study or this small group and, and reach out to others and allow God to really care for you during this process. Thank you. I, and, you know, I actually have done just that. And if it wasn't for that and Christ being my anchor, um, I, I don't know where I would be mentally today. Um, with all that has taken place, because all this stuff really messes with your mind. And, uh, you know, um, it, it's through the prayers, the community of prayers from others that makes a difference. And I think one thing I want to add is, which, which one thing that has helped me, and I truly praise God for that, um, I've been very careful about not having anger and bitterness uh, for my husband in my heart. And where that has helped me is, um, going to God and just praying for my husband, like just fervently praying for my husband, you know, movies like the war room books, like the fervent prayer and the battle plan and all these things 
you know, and um, teachings from Chuck Swindoll and Tony Evans and Priscilla Schreier just have really, you know, enforced and embedded things such as praying for your spouse, praying for your marriage is, is the most important thing that you can do because God can change hearts. God can do things. And it's not your job to change the other person, Ugh. even, you know, no matter how hard you try. Um, so I just can't stress that enough. And that's just been our saving grace is just trusting in God and, and praying for him, and taking him up to God and then forgiving him every night. That's one thing I've learned, which is so important, not carrying that anger and bitterness to bed and just forgiving him each night and asking God to intervene. Um, Cause that frees us up because, you know, I understand there's a spiritual battle that's taking place. There's a spiritual warfare that's taking place. And I do not want to give any room to the enemy um, in, in any shape or form through anger or bitterness. Now that is the number one destroyer of the heart is anger and unforgiveness. Well, Rohini, I could not have said it better myself. So I, I appreciate, <laughs> well, thank you. yeah, I appreciate what you're learning, but probably more importantly, what you're applying because far too often, you know, we learn or we know in our heads what to do, but we rarely actually follow that up with the action. And so it's encouraging to hear that you, you know it and you're doing it. So well done. Well, thank you. I don't need the praise. Um, only our God does. And that's where it belongs, you know. So um, I just hope that other listeners are able to get something positive out of this. And uh, I know I did by speaking to you. Oh, uh, well, thank um, you I'm so grateful much. For your time. Thank yeah. you for taking my call. Thank you for calling in, Rohini. Have a wonderful day. Have a blessed day. Thank okay. you. Wow. I'm still here. I know. <laughs> That is actually our first successful live call-in. Yeah. And now we don't even have time to finish up the current podcast that we were doing. I mean, looking at the notes, we we pretty much hit everything. Did we? Yeah. That was exciting. You don't seem as excited because I know... Are you mad at me because I didn't say, hey, this is Michael and Seth, and therefore you felt like you well, couldn't interject? I felt or was like it too a scary? voyeur yeah. to this little <laughs> this thing that was going on. And whether she knew I was listening I'm or not. I'm pretty sure she didn't know you existed. No, exactly. So all of a sudden, she just hears this like, heavy breathing and then someone <laughs> interjecting. <sighs> so Rohini, I heard what she said. Well, the good news is it is a podcast, so we don't have like a specific amount of time. So I know we can put a nice bow on this. But I, you know what? I'm glad she called. I mean, it was funny because at one point I was like, you know, behind the scenes with you going, is, did Rohini become the host? <laughs> Am I out? <laughs> right. But I do, though. I mean, did you have any issue with any of the kind of her thoughts or opinions? Uh, I mean, the things that, that stood out are, are things that you addressed of – um, her diagnosing her spouse and the, the dangers in that. Um, the uh, her her use of a few blanket statements that she made about like the majority and right. things like that. I those initially like will grab me rub rub me wrong, um, but overall 
I mean, I agreed. I, I felt like what you addressed when encouraging her of not feeling guilt or anything like that with the direction that her husband is going was spot on. Cause it felt like on, on my end, just listening that there was almost shame attached yeah. to what was, she's going through and, it did. and that need to be lifted. Yeah. Because there is no condemnation for those who are under Christ Jesus. And you know, I, I, what I tell people in her situation all the time is, which is a blanket statement, by the way, yeah. is no. and I'm judging you for it. Yeah, you when going through, and especially if you're married to an abusive person, is the only thing that matters is that you do the right thing. Sometimes that right thing is divorce. That is the right thing. It is. I cannot emphasize that enough. It is unacceptable to allow yourself to be abused or your children. Period. End of story. You were created in God's image, and therefore, allowing anyone to defile that is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So I. You know, I will take a lot of junk, right? And I'll take a lot of hurt from people. But, man, you, you got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. And, and abuse is definitely that, that place that we have to go, hey. I li-. And, by the way, you can still love someone and separate. You can still love someone and divorce. Because yeah. if they're not able to, to, to get to even an acceptable level of dysfunction, then that's, that's on them. Well, and we've even had uh, a, a couple on the show that they reached the point of divorce, and uh, the wife in particular continued to love, and they eventually remarried. So, yeah. like, so that's just proof. Anything right can happen. Mm-hmm. And the key, though, is that you have to have the right structure and boundaries to keep yourself safe. And so we were initially dealing with a wife who had gotten in, you know, to marriage and she knew about this kid and we were saying, yeah, you're going to have to. And, and where I want to, and, and this is even for Rohini, the caller, but you know, how do we accept difficult things? Well, first we have a choice, right? She Ro, Rohini has a choice. The, the listener who submitted the question on the website has a choice mm-hmm. and our, we cannot allow our emotions to dictate our choices. It has to be the other way around. Right. That is, that is so critical. Because we have to tell ourselves how to feel. And and sometimes we don't feel that. Mm-hmm. But the more I tell you, hey, I'm going to forgive. I'm going I don't want to. And I don't even think it's possible, but I gotta be obedient. So Lord give me the ability to even want to forgive. Right. And that's even countercultural right now, here in the States especially. We've become such a emotionally driven um culture and where we just follow those those emotions like, oh that that just hurt my feelings, so I'm going to behave this this way. Exactly. I'm going to punch back. Right. And I need my safe space yeah. and all those things. So this is definitely counter of what's being kind of preached out there right now. But this is this is healthy. Yeah. And what Rohini and our other listener, what we all have to recognize is that many times we're angry and we're stressed out and we're wiped out because we're not taking ownership of our life. We're acting like a bunch of victims. And the truth is... I'm not a victim. People can do bad things to me. That doesn't have to destroy me. Mm-hmm. If it destroys me, that's nobody's fault but my own. And that's, you know, getting back to that question that was submitted. That was a big part because she's like, now I'm angry. Now I'm pregnant and angry. Now I'm glad that she actually said pregnant because, you know, call or listener, you, you could have some hormonal imbalances going on right now. I know my right. wife, when she was pregnant, it was a very different person. Mm-hmm. 
And so be careful. A lot of these emotions you could be feeling right now could just be solely based on hormonal hormones due to the pregnancy. Yeah. So be careful with that. But probably, though, the reason she's most angry is because she wasn't honest with herself before getting married. This is right. why you got to think things through. Like, yeah. Okay, can I really deal with this? And if you said yes, then get over it. You right. said yes. And now you realize it's harder than you initially thought. Sorry. Okay. Right. I mean, it's like, okay, this is tougher, but I still have to choose to get it right. Mm-hmm. As you said before, that the out was prior to marriage. It was. And now that you're married, and because here's the truth for everybody. The perfect person doesn't freaking exist. Except so, for me. Well, and you. And me. Yeah. But other than me and Seth, <laughs> they're not out there. So guess what? You can trade this husband who has the kid from a previous marriage, and you're going to trade him for another husband who has another issue. Right. You're never going to be free from that. So to think, and that's where I think a lot of people fail, is they think there's someone out there better. I'm trying to say from the top of my there isn't. Mm-hmm. They don't exist. I have my issues with my wife. She has her issues with me. And, okay, divorce me. And you're going to have new issues. Or potentially, realistically, you'll have the same issues because you probably haven't addressed what right, you're was right. broken in the first mm-hmm. place. Oh, I feel like we're done. <laughs> you look exhausted. I feel <laughs> exhausted. But that was a really fun first-time live caller. Yeah. And we're going to keep doing this, folks. As we're recording podcasts, we will allow you to interrupt it because you are important to us. Mm. And it's fun to have another I'm just voice. crossing my fingers that we don't have uh, personal friends that all sudden. I really hope we do. <laughs> I want my friends to give fake voices, maybe call in as a Scottish person. <laughs> I'm telling you, I am from India, and I, want to, I have a question for you. See, I want that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I'm. We have people that could make that happen. Oh, I. If they were just gutsy that enough. Seth Johnson, he's a cute one. He is. See, those kind of things. It's not going to happen. Okay. So, hey, don't forget about the Reignite Your Marriage app. That is the phrase that you want to search for. We actually have direct links to our free app. That is incredible, and we have direct links on this podcast page to iTunes, Google Play, Windows Phone, and Amazon App Store. And while you're at our website, by the way, don't forget to check out our online courses. We have a huge library with over 100 hours of video. It's from huge. Huge. Let's make marriage great again. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why do you do things like that? <laughs> but you can check out our online courses at smalleyinstitute.com. Don't forget to leave what? What is it? What do we want the people to do? Because we give this product for free, this podcast. <laughs> it's true. And what could they do for us? They could they could give back by their review. You know, iTunes, just uh, go there and give us a little review and let us know how we're doing. If we're getting content out that you like and enjoy or if we are doing horribly and need to change up our format. Helps us out. Helps other people find us as well. All right. Well, Smalley Marriage Radio is brought to you by the Smalley Institute. If your marriage is on life support, reignite your relationship in only two days. Find out more online at smalleyinstitute.com. 
or call us toll free at 888-565-6462. Chasing down a dream before it disappeared. I was aching to be somewhere near your voice was all I heard. I was shaking from a storm in me. Hey, DC, right now at VisionWorks, all prescription eyewear, every frame, every brand is 50% off. Yup, a nifty 50% thanks to our friends and family event. What's even better, it applies to both glasses and sunglasses. That's right. At the VisionWorks Friends and Family event, you can save 50% on all prescription eyewear. Why? Because we like you, DC. A lot. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. Point out the colors of you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.